Welcome to the Conditional Release Program, a podcast that delves into the netherworld of cults, crims, and con artists. We don't like these people in its shows. We believe the best way to expose them is to hold them up to a harsh light, point our index fingers in their general direction, and mock them mercilessly. Take them down a peg or two until they cease to exist in any other form than the shit on our shoes. I'm Jack the Insider, otherwise known as Peter Hoisted for tax purposes. And I'm Joel Hill. This week, we are looking into the declining crime rate over the past 20, 30-odd years. I mean, Jack knows a shitload about crime. He's a fucking encyclopedia, knows about criminals and all sorts of horrible, shitty fucking lunatics. As a crime writer and journalist, he's had a beer with some proper nutcases and genuine murderers, but we don't have that kind of gangster culture anymore, and we ah. certainly don't have as many violent crimes around the place. Not mm. like we used to. Not... I've never had my VCR stolen, and I often forget to lock my car. Yes, Joe, but that's because you are a naive fool. There's still crime and plenty of it, but the nature of it has changed, and the stats show our communities are safer than they have been for 50 years for the most part. Some men persist in behaving badly uh, towards women. There are more grifters calling up pretending to be Telstra or the ATO, yeah. and organised global crime syndicates are still shuffling drugs and stolen kitties around the world. But the good news is you're not very likely to be murdered, shot like an unappealing dog in the street anymore. And we'll good. discuss that and make some very fine hypotheses on why crime is more or less on the way out in Australia in our deeper dive. But we can't right now because the world continues to spin at 67,000 kilometres per hour or 30 kilometres per second, which is fast enough to travel a distance equal to the Earth's diameter in seven minutes. It's a dazzling display of astrophysics that means anything that could happen anywhere on the planet at any time, and we have to be across it all. Understand every moment and nuance of it, and the only way to do that is listening intently to the Conditional Release Program's weekly news. Yeah, Jack, um, not sure about any of that. Uh, I think you've been... uh Sort of believing the, the NASA line a little too <laughs> yeah, readily. Yeah, I'm, a, yeah? I'm, I'm in the thrall of big space. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Yeah. You know the cabal has been lying? Uh, never mind. No, we won't go into that. No. Yes. So we are kicking off the news this week with an update on how our most loved series of lawsuits is going. The Dominion and Smartmatic billion dollar grifter shifter. Holy shit. That has been a big Big week in the Dominion lawsuits game. After really Giuliani got served for a $1.3 billion lawsuit by Dominion Voting Systems, Sydney Powell knew her days of financial liquidity were numbered. So naturally, she went on the lam. And uh, Dominion finally caught up with her after employing a private investigator, or possibly several, to pursue mm. her across state lines, which is like apparently a big deal, and served her the dreaded subpoena. Now, Powell is pleading for more time to respond to the complaint, which I think she's going to need. I think she needs as much time as she can get so she can enjoy the comforts of hot water and shelter. Uh, but in a move that boggles the mind, and I guarantee you, Joel and I are both deeply boggled, Powell has asked the famous QAnon lawyer, Al Lynn Wood, to represent her. And just like a cheerleader asking the quarterback to the prom, he said, yes! Now, I'm not a lawyer, but I do find it peculiar that Lynn Wood will be representing Powell when it's only a matter of time before his subpoena is in his hot little hands. How this works, I don't know, but we are looking at one of the most incredible clown shows in litigation history, and Joel and I are looking at it like it's a train wreck in slow motion. We can't look, but we dare not turn away. Yes, we dare not. And in soon-to-be-ruined people's news, uh, Mike Lindell, who we covered a bit last week, fresh on the heels of his new shit show, Absolute, Absolute Proof. Proof. 
has been described by a Dominion <laughs> spokesperson as begging to be sued. <laughs> According to Dominion, they knew he was planning to release absolute, absolute proof. proof and told him it probably wasn't a good idea. But Lindell, who I'm starting to think is actually completely pilled and believes his own bullshit, released the film regardless. And as it turned out, actually paid for it to broadcast on OANN as an ad. Ooh. I feel mm. this is like a loophole though. Like, OEN running it as an ad with this huge statement at the start, basically saying this is not their views, you know, making some distance <laughs> from it. I don't know if the, you know, the Pete Evans podcast offense of these are not my views is really going to work for them. And they might find themselves also begging to be sued in the not too distant <laughs> future. Now, I personally hope Lindell sells a few pillows in the coming weeks to pay down the inevitable judgment against him. Maybe he can start selling absolute, absolute proof. proof. Merchandise mm. because I would absolutely buy some of that. Ah, yeah. And in the wake of absolute, absolute proof, proof, which was essentially meant to make Dominion's lawsuits a joke and wake up the entire world to the electoral fraud, spoiler alert, it hasn't. Another news outlet, albeit a shitty small one, has issued a groveling apology to Dominion for making shit up about their voting machines. Online magazine American Thinker posted a statement throwing four of their journos under the bus and blaming discredited sources for peddling the bullshit lie that the election was stolen, yada, yada, yada. Apparently, this is in response to a cease and desist letter Dominion sent them, which must have ruffled a few feathers in the editorial office. Yes. See, Dominion sent the same letter to Melissa Carone, and you may remember her response was to tell Dominion that they can't tell her what to do, and then she announced (laughs) to run for Congress and then went on to star in... Absolute, Absolute proof. proof. And as they would say, beg to be sued. Now, while <laughs> this was a very wise move on their part to deliver this groveling apology, Dominion are playing their cards slowly and said to lawncrime.com, which is like an online sort of lawn or uh, legal blog, that their immediate focus was on Sydney Powell and moving forward, mm. they will be looking at others, which is just like Uh-oh. such a blanket statement to just instill so much fear. So... A lot of people out there should be sleeping very badly for some time yet, but they should take some solace in the fact that it might be a few weeks before their lives are completely ruined. Yes, might take a little while. And finally, yes. in a twist of ridiculous fate, we stumbled upon a fact-checking page that genuinely should never have been built. Apparently, Reuters felt that they needed to disprove the rumour that the Myanmar elections that were held recently as a prelude to a military coup used Dominion voting machines, essentially mm. in a very Trumpian fashion, but ex- executed far better. The military yeah. claimed that the election was fraudulent and took over the joint. Yes, you see, military coups are as Myanmar as Mohinga, which is apparently a national dish that I Google. It's like a super fish or some shit. But the claims of electoral fraud had a real red, white, and blue tint to it. Very Trumpy, very, you know, Rudy Giuliani. So basically, QAnon on dipshits on Telegram and other places where racists hang out decided to just randomly claim that Myanmar used Dominion machines to rig the election. And why? I genuinely don't know. I think it's very funny. But, I mean, they're bored. It's slow news day. Like, there's been no fucking Q drops. Yes. And, uh, and on Sunday morning, uh, Australians uh, woke up to find out that Donald, the great orange one, was predictably acquitted in the Senate, which voted 57 to 43 to convict, 10 short of the two-thirds majority to see the convictions realised. Yeah, see, what was the point of that? Like, 
the Democrats moved to impeach, but it was it was a foregone conclusion. Yes. Well, firstly, they were able to impeach Trump twice, the first president president to uh, have faced the wrath of the House twice. And the second and most compelling reason to attempt the conviction, which they knew would never come to pass, is split two ways. The Democrats wanted to prosecute the powerful case that Trump had conspired to create the assault on the Capitol building, not just in the Senate. Uh, but to the American people who watched proceedings in record numbers. Most thinking Americans came away uh, now knowing who Trump is and what he did. The other reason is to continue to keep the pressure on the GOP and pull away at the schism inside the party, turning it into an old-fashioned split. This hasn't happened yet, but it is on the cards. And Trump is gone as a political operative and he ain't coming back. That's one thing we know from these proceedings. Yeah. And that was the Dems' ambition, and in a non-procedural way, it has worked. Yeah, I'd say a lot more people are a lot more aware of what a giant fuckwit their president was. <laughs> anyway, in other news, the state of Victoria has commenced a five-day stage four lockdown yes, after a cluster bugger. emerged from a quarantine hotel in Melbourne. Poor, poor buggers. It is clear that DHHS in Victoria has fucked up again, but there's plenty of blame to go around. Hotels are not effective quarantine centres, and quarantine is the responsibility of the federal government who have done nothing about it. Months ago, the Morrison government should have built dedicated quarantine facilities with airlock doors and properly equipped personnel on the outskirts of our major cities, but they have done precisely zero. So when we go looking for someone to blame, yes, the Andrew Gov- Andrews government sits high on that list. And by the way, wouldn't it have been better for Andrews to accept some level of responsibility rather than try and spin his way through the current shambles? Uh, But the Feds, and most notably Peter Dutton as Minister for Home Affairs, whose job it is to oversee quarantine, has failed to create real and effective quarantine facilities rather than the ad hoc shot we have been going on uh, in, uh, in, that has been going on in four and five star hotels in the cities yeah. where quarantiners can see the outside world through the gap in the door of their hotel rooms. Failures everywhere, Joel, and stupidity often follows failures. And that's where we are with our old mates, the anti-lockdown protesters. Yeah, it looks like the usual clowns have held another protest to remind us that they are not only annoying Mm. hordes of locusts that swarm seven news Facebook posts about coronavirus, some sort of anti-vax sentiment bullshit, but actually real people. Now, while the idea that COVID denial and anti-lockdown sentiment is so completely stupid that it's largely a Russian state-sponsored bot farm running a psyop to destroy public trust in institutions among Western nations, the reality is much more grim because they are real and they walk among they us. They walk among us. They are among they us, yes. Among us. And I just wish that wasn't true. I would prefer <laughs> it if they were bots. The most obnoxious of the protests was held in heavily pilled Victoria or Melbourne, of course, where a group of a few hundred friendless fuckheads chanted several banal COVID denial slogans intertwined with fairly shameless appeals to suck up to cops, including the Vic Pol motto, Uphold the right. Uphold the right. Tenez le droit. Yes. Yeah. They can tenez themselves. So this worked because as it appears from the video and general reports, the cops marched all but alongside these people, despite them flagrantly violating public health orders and generally being fucking pests, which really backs up the idea that it's a dictatorship and they need their freedom. (laughs) And now, while I don't look down at the cops for giving lunatics a free pass to avoid needless conflict, it does feel like pandering to the wrong people. Now, sure. 
if you give them their so-called freedom, then they don't have a reason to protest, right? That's logical. Wrong. These people are irrational assholes with the intellect of children after a red cordial binge. These people want freedom, and when they get it, they will continue wanting freedom because they actually don't understand the concept of freedom. And what they are is a bunch of petulant children who joined a doe-brained cult that demands they be as noisy and irritating as possible as often as they can. Anti-lockdowners are Mm. genuinely the shittest people in the country right now, and they are getting more and more despised as time goes on, and good. People are waking up to their bullshit, and they are absolutely just grimacing at these cunts. Now, the police giving them a free pass and the obvious lack of counter-protest due to the fact the other side of politics aren't stupid enough to gather in numbers during a fucking outbreak and a lockdown. This has let these cretinous fucks take the spotlight of the day and feel like they had a win. But you know what? You didn't have a win because Australia hates you, the world hates you, and your family and friends are screening your calls. <laughs> Fucking awesome. And in a wild twist of allegiance, we find ourselves actually feeling deeply sorry for the Q Shaman jail. Or, or do well, we? I'm I not sure that least, I do. Yeah. Yeah, I do. See, poor old Jacob Chansley, the star of the Capitol Hill riot, has been charged with offences and is looking at up to 28 years in jail. Now, the reaction to this is heavily mixed. I mean, at worst, he's an idiot who went too far. He wasn't violent. He wasn't really inciting people. Well, not much, at least. What he did was stupid. But 28 years is murder territory, and it feels like a bit much. Well, actually, you know, since he's been locked up, Joel, he's been nothing but a nuisance. And and I think this is what often happens when you're a bit of a nuisance to law enforcement. It's what the Victorian police force call a hamburger with a lot. That's what he's been charged with. So 28 years may not be his ultimate sentence, but uh, they're making making him know that uh, they're pretty serious about getting him. Um, Yeah, they're making an example of it. I I do have to wonder how the bearskin suit and horns are going to fit him in 28 years. Yes, he might. Might gain a few pounds or lose, who knows? Yeah. But hopefully, his lovely mum, love your mum, mum, <laughs> has paid for some decent lawyers to get him out of trouble because the fact that she scored him organic food in jail sounds like she's got some pretty good legal representation. But 28 fucking years, man, that is a long time. <laughs> like, he must be absolutely shitting himself. And I would say, feeling very betrayed and just swimming in regret. Like, He's sitting in a dark, nah, shitty cell, know. knowing that all his mates threw him under the bus as Antifa. Lynn Wood, his his hero. Oh, you're Antifa. Mr. Wood, I am not Antifa. I am Digital Soldier. And then he's just this worldwide joke. And like all this effort and all this ridiculous weird activism has just wound him having no mates and possibly spending 28 years in a federal prison. I never thought I'd say it, but yeah. I'm on Team Jake here. I'm all for the Q Sharma. Give him a year, oh, maybe come two. On, that still sucks. That still sucks, but not 28. 28's overkill. I think 20. 20, uh, 20 on the roof 20? would be about right for me. Uh, just give him 20, oh, 20 years, man. and isn't he going to isn't he going to disappear from the world view okay, very, very quickly five. once that sentence is down? And that organic, well, what, what's he that organic food he's getting delivered, you can forget about yeah. that. That won't it's be happening be able either. To it. No. And, Joel, finally we have seen the Murray River chapter of the Proud Boys, the Proud Ugh. Boys of Albury Wodonga turn out and start badgering anyone who might think they're a bunch of brain-dead Nazi shitheels. Which they are. But this is a bit of a doozy, this one. Uh, Tom Tannock, he's been all over this like a rash. Andy Fleming, a.k.a. Slack Bastard as well, because this is their game. And it's almost nice to see the fascists back to watch them being mercilessly mocked in public, because I just <laughs> really do. I do enjoy this. Tom's article on Independent Australia is really funny. I really enjoyed it. So, essentially, there's a group of thuggish halfwits in Aubrey Wodonga who fly under the banner of the Proud Boys. And we know this because 
because they fucking love wearing Proud Boys merch. Like they are absolutely keeping the local t-shirt printers in business. Not only that, but like different <laughs> shirts. Like they've got like a whole bunch of different ranges. It's it's almost impressive. But the star of the show here God, is a bloke him. named Jared Searby. Now, look him up mm. if you want a good laugh because he looks exactly what you're imagining. What that that picture in your head? That's him. His face tattoos are classy <laughs> as fuck. Now, this genius who runs MMA gym called the Hard Knocks Combat, which I'm guessing he named after his alma mater, the School of oh. Hard Knocks, has decided to reproduce the oh. ending of the Jane Silent Bob movie and hunt down all the people that have said nasty things about them on the internet and threatened them with violence. And yeah, if you haven't seen Jane Silent Bob Strike Back, do it immediately. Just cut this. Go and watch it. Well, see. Sammy had a few thugs uh, record themselves going to a Lexus dealership to find someone they considered to be Antifa. There's literally no basis for this, and essentially they, they told the staff there that a young bloke who works in IT at the place had been doxing their businesses and being generally threatening. Sibby promises to come back with more and more people who will protest at the front unless the guy is fired for a comment the young bloke made on Facebook. Yeah, yeah, the high crime of commentary on Facebook. <laughs> so they printed out a screenshot. This is kind of funny in the video. They printed out a screenshot of a Facebook thread which had about three comments on it, but it was blown <laughs> up into an A4 piece of paper. It just it just screams, I don't know how to use a computer. But basically, it was this young bloke saying about the Proud Boys that they don't send their best. And that's it. Mm, that's all that there is. It. That was all they yeah, said. That was all this fucking- our, our young bloke said, yeah. And this Searby flog talks about cancel culture, but then on video tried to have someone fired for saying a mean thing about him online. <laughs> that is what cancel culture is. Someone says something on the internet and then a whole bunch of complete fuck-ups try and get them fired from their real-life job. That is what just... Like it's basically like Pete Evans being a fucking advocate for free speech and then deleting comments on his Instagram. How do these people function like this? Walking fucking hypocrites. And, and, and after this, uh, there was another example of casual threatening yeah. behaviour when CB tracked down another person who'd made a Facebook comment. Another, another, another criminal. Yeah, Hard this crime. really doesn't take criticism well. No, everyone who doesn't like him is Antifa, including a sixty-five-year-old Albury bloke. Uh, who, who likes to comment on Facebook. Yes, as we do. Now, in this video, which he took, you know, with the, the help of a friend, he walks to the door crapping on about Antifa in the Steve Irwin style. Oh, we're going to find Antifa here. Knocked <laughs> aggressively on the door, calling for him by name at his house, then leaves some weird Proud Boys pamphlet under the door. Oh. It feels like a bit of like a dog chasing a car who would have no idea what to do if he caught it. Imagine if this guy came to the fucking door. What are you going to do? Deck him? He's 65 years old, you fucking gronk. To my knowledge, no charges have been laid regarding this behavior, but I can't imagine these videos are going to do him any fucking favors if he winds up in front of a magistrate. Jesus Christ. Yes, I'd be, uh, I'd be uh, asking the local wallopers to get deeply involved in that one. Uh, but when, yes. when it comes to the deluded and demented, we've still got the worst gamblers in the world, Joel, the Betfair Trump punters. How are they getting on? Any money back yet? Has force majeure been called? The, see, the Betfair punters are moving in and out of the acceptance phase. It's 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 a very sort of, you know, it's, it's a tumultuous time. So while they're still believing various conspiracy theories regarding Trump being still in office or 
to be, you know, sort of rightfully elected in March and Biden's <laughs> presidency, you know, defunct corporation, all that sort of stuff. Listen to the last episode if you need more on that. It has become all about what a judge would decide in a court case and what to do if the entire thing goes tits up, which is looking more and more likely as time oh, yeah. goes on. So tons of people are freaking out. A uh, few of them are trying to make their money back on crypto, which at this point might actually <laughs> bloody work. I mean, fucking crypto. <laughs> they might get some. They'll be little, well, they're bound to get some back that way. Yes, yes. If they, yeah, if they don't get completely stooged by a bubble. Anyway, we haven't covered Bitcoin for a good reason. It's insufferable nonsense. But I'm sorry, Jack. Watching this acceptance phase has got me in the heartstrings because oh. I'm really starting to feel sorry for some of these guys, man. Really, Joel? Like, really? Well, they're still they're still holding out, but you know, they're they're still harassing Betfair with inane questions like, "Will you pay out if it turns out the Biden's presidency is invalid due to electoral fraud?" That's still got some spirit, but <laughs> you know what? Betfair returns with, yeah, they will. They actually will. So <laughs> yeah, if whatever. it turns out yeah, sure, that whatever. electoral fraud, exactly, yeah. <laughs> this is their, basically like their way of saying, shut up, kid. But they said <laughs> in the email that they would pay out if it turns out that the entire yeah, thing is sure, as, whatever. you know, yeah, as no they say. Yeah, which is a pretty easy response. So <laughs> that's just galvanized them. And now, and now they're convinced they're going to be millionaires again. But then the hope very, very quickly falls away. The other thing that I think is really funny about this is that they clearly, clearly, clearly care more about, well, they care a lot about their payouts, but what they really want is they want to get their payout and then tell their friends and family, I told you so. That is so <laughs> important to them. They'll be, be waiting a while. Unfortunately, the in and out of this process is is a fairly final blow to their efforts because the Betfair punters had a coordinated campaign to basically send letters to the NT Gaming Commission and they finally got their response. It's a fairly long email. It's very formal. It's very, you know, it's very official. I'm going to paraphrase it. They basically said, Joe Biden is president, you fucking idiots. And if you want to sue us (laughs) on that basis, go ahead. But good luck finding a lawyer that will take that turd sandwich on because we have no interest in discussing this further. You fucking Mm. gronks. Now, yeah, yeah. of course, they didn't read this correctly either. They might have paraphrased in their heads as well. So they're now forming a strategy to take legal action. And <laughs> if this goes anywhere near a courtroom, it's going to be very, very funny. But the rest of the chatter, it's just copium. They're just posting oh, yeah. shit smug memes of Trump saying he's in control and all the usual conspiratorial blah, 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 peppered with badly baked Q drops and anti-vax nonsense and desperate attempts to frame Trump as some sort of genius political operative as opposed <laughs> to the boorish used car salesman that he is. Now, America got sold a lemon in the form of a burnt orange DeLorean and they just can't accept the fact this really cool looking car that sounds really sweet is not a time machine but actually a piece of shit that never starts. <laughs> Bless their soon-to-be-broke, <laughs> foolish hearts. God, I, I do feel for Oh, them. yes. Anyone will tell you there are seven stages of grief and the Betfair boys and girls have reached the sixth stage, acceptance. The seventh stage is plotting, plotting to murder their parents, steal their inheritances <laughs> and piss it up against the wall through the bookies again. But they can't the because way. the Australian crime stats show all is peace and tranquility in the wide brown land, or almost, and we're going to take a look at the astonishing news that Australia has become a less violent, much safer place than it was 30 years ago. It's time for our deeper dive. Well, it's the news that is terrifying for tabloid journalism. The front page head you'll never see, crime is down. And presumably they'll be held to pay for it, Joe. Yeah, well, look, it's 
Crime rates are down, but we do want to make a caveat at the very start of this that there is one statistic that is not down, and that is violence against women. Uh, violence and homicide against women, domestic violence and homicide against women in the home. Uh, women still have a very good reason to feel incredibly unnerved when walking home after a night out, and that is something that seems to have defied the fucking statistics. And this is a national tragedy. It's an international tragedy, and it shouldn't fucking exist women have the right to feel safe and men do not have the right to encroach on that uh but one of the things i think we're going to be going through here is the declining crime rates of that old school sort of crime you know the hold-ups at the 7-elevens you know like the bank robberies all that sort of stuff the old school kidnappings so it's it's a real thing that i uh as we were covering this episode i really wanted to make very abundantly clear at the start crime rates are dropping but that ain't not in all categories, and, and and in particular, statistically, sexual assaults on women and children remain high and and uh, higher relative to the 1980s. Uh, some argue that this comes down to a higher level of reporting of these sorts of offences uh, than may have been the case uh, 30 years ago. But the figures actually show that in the case of sexual assaults on women, reporting has declined in the last 15 years. And uh, what that seems to be telling us is that women have lost confidence in the criminal justice system and that they have every reason to because only 7% of sexual assaults reported to New yep. South Wales Police in 2009 to 2018 resulted in criminal convictions. That's and about half of those that went to court, so a top. You know, you've got 14 percent. 14 percent went to court at all. Sexual assaults being reported, leading to, uh, leading to um, uh, being dealt with in the courts, uh, and so it's incomprehensible that 86 percent of women yeah. of those complainants were fabricating their claims. So, so Not we're okay. seeing what we did see for a period of time through the 90s and in and into the first decade of uh, of the 21st century is that. Uh, we had more reporting and more sexual assaults, and some people said, "Oh, it's just because there's reporting." But now the reporting has actually dropped, and 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 so we're still seeing very high levels of sexual assault, despite women having lost a lot of faith in the criminal justice system. So that tells us we've still got a very significant problem there. Yeah, and the things that do get reported, regardless, is you know, for example, the woman a week dying at the hands of an intimate partner, that sort of stuff. It's not a matter of reporting it as a homicide, and it's you know, it's it's pretty obvious. Yeah. So the, look, those are the things that stay static, which are really obvious. And um, mm. and uh, regardless of faith in police, we know about them, and they're, they're happening. Yeah, lot. look, just just back on sexual assaults, the policing of them has improved markedly, but there's a long, long way to go. And yeah. then the criminal justice system itself uh, leads uh, women and children, for that matter, who, who are victims of, of sexual assaults, um, very much uh, on the outer. Um, they are not represented um, in court, uh, not legally represented in court. They're treated almost yeah. like witnesses and so subject to cross-examination. Now, we have things we have things like, well, in, in an adversarial system like a criminal justice system, is there needs to be uh, provision for cross-examination. But, but I think you can get around that with sexual assault. I believe they changed the law that you can, um, you can choose not to be uh, cross-examined uh, oh, by your attacker, but you can still get fucking railed by a bloody a lawyer. Course. Nah, yeah, yeah, of yeah. course. And and then there are little 
problems in that little system there too, in that, and that your assailant can basically that's choose to legally represent himself, and that's yeah, and that's you know that's but that's, that's where when you it can gets get out very of it. very messy. But you know anyone who wants to do yeah. that uh, is an idiot anyway. But um, yeah. so we do see certain areas of of crime going down, and and these are areas that need to be addressed within the criminal justice system. So let's say, why shouldn't a person who has been subject to an alleged sexual assault, why shouldn't that person be legally represented in a court, have their own solicitor, have their own barrister there for them to ensure that under cross-examination they are not belittled, not humiliated, not subject to... Being, An advocate, at least. Yeah, that, that, that's right. But but not subject to uh, you know sort of baseless nonsense uh, about yeah, their motives. Scumbag tactics. Yeah, we do, we're doing a little bit better in that we have a lot of video link evidence being presented now, so it's not as intimidating for uh, for, for victims, but still. Uh, you know, to be actually in the courtroom, but but still, it it's, is. It's reliving the trauma. Yeah, it, in a it big is. way. Yeah. In a big way, and while you know, like the pursuit of justice is something, and you know, I'm sure. Some victims would feel empowered by the idea of, you know, holding their akaka to account. The whole entire thing would be nerve-wracking as fuck. Oh, terrible. And, and Imagine and if course, they got not guilty. You, you, you Jeez. Have, as, a, as a victim, you have very little um, knowledge of what's going on. You're basically called to court. You're, you sit outside. Uh, you don't actually see the proceedings until such a time as you give your evidence. You don't really know yeah. what's going on. The prosecutor may speak the to thing. you. They may not, or they may just briefly go over your evidence. Um, you know, it, it, it's a very alienating process for people, women and children, as I say, who are subject to sexual assault, and we do need to yeah. get a whole lot better at that. But where yeah. we are now is really quite an extraordinary thing, and as I say, the tabloids would not, Want you to believe this? In fact, media yes. organisations generally don't, don't want you to accept this. Um, yeah. In New South Wales, New South Wales has always been a bit of a standout in terms of crime statistics. Um, uh, well, not always, but for the last well, at least two and a half decades, New South Wales has uh, independently compiled and analysed its own criminal stats. And when we say independently, it's not done by police. Now, police, mm. for whatever reason, may have a, a, might, might, might be motivated to jack up uh, crime rates so they can ask government um, to uh, provide them with uh, more resources and more re- more manpower, or indeed jack them yep. down uh, to, uh, to so everyone will think what a ter- ter- terrific job they're doing. Now, it just recently, uh, Victoria and Queensland have come on board with independent um, crime statisticians, an office for them, and, uh, and, they, and, and it becomes a very worthwhile exercise because you know these figures are not going to be manipulated. Um, the granddaddy of all crime stati- statisticians is New South Wales Don, Professor Don Wedderburn uh, in the Bureau of Criminal Statistics, and uh, and he's got a book out called The Vanishing Criminal, and that's basically yeah. what he's what you know he he's basically putting out those statistics and theorising on what those reasons what might be. If you do come across the book, it's well worth a read. Don Wedderburn is the governor when it comes to crime in Australia yeah. and criminology generally. And and what, what he has seen and what we all can see from our crime stats because they're published, you know, they're, they're, publicly, they're public knowledge, and what we can yeah. see through our crime st- statistics for the most part and with those caveats included on, on sexual assaults and physical assaults on women and children, what we can see is a sharp decline across a number of 
uh, crime areas. So murder is down to murder rates are down at 1972 levels across Australia. Uh, and, and in New South Wales, murder rates are the lowest they've ever been. Now, that's men and women, but they're the lowest they've ever been. Um, and one of the old um, uh, uh, Tory sort of lines about this is that, you know, murder rates are down because we have advances in emergency medicine that can save people that perhaps 20 years ago couldn't have been saved. And uh, I remember having that argument with uh, Andrew Bolt many years ago. Um, but it turns out that assaults, occasioning injury, um, uh, those sorts of offences, abductions, kidnappings, etc., are down, down, down to areas to, to, to levels that were that were that were last seen in the very early nineteen seventies. Similarly, yeah. property crime is down, so burglaries, break and enters are way down, uh, and um, theft of vehicles, the theft of cars is way, way down almost. Yeah, well, cars are harder to steal. Yeah, look, there's, 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 in some of these areas, there's advances in technology, you know, with, with vehicles. It's the, it's the installation of an, an immobiliser, which basically means yeah. you can't steal that car or you have to push it onto a trailer if you're going yes, to pinch it. Yes, it makes it much harder. So, yeah, yeah so, so te- technology has, has got some... Uh, cause to you know to, to pay, but but there seems to be a diminished intent to commit crime, and so when we sort of think yeah. about the the um, uh, the reasons for that, they, you know, it's actually really interesting for anyone who wants to wonder how we get to having better societies, better communities, is to look at these things and say, well, okay, well, you know, pat on the back here, Australian community, here we've got violent crime for the most part in decline, right? Yeah. Um, there are a number of things when we look at the history of crime in Australia and the, Christmas, and the history of crime events, what we see is the 1920s being the absolute apex, the absolute highest point. And through that decade, there were, you know, higher instances of violent crime, including murder and uh, assaults occasioning injury that go... You know that are at the levels that have never been seen since. the The next era is the nineteen eighties, and and then we're coming out of that now too. So after the nineteen twenties, I should say, and and going into the Great Depression, we actually saw crime decline in the Great Depression, and then the post World yep. War Two era, we saw crime crime. Uh, decreasing again and then pick up in the 1980s to have this second peak almost as high as the 1920s and then since those 1980s into the 1990s crime for the most part starts declining um, to where we're really at 1972 levels again Um, and the theories on this are really you know, interesting they'll only ever really be theories but some of them have more substance than others Don Wedderburn Puts the cause for that, for the for the rather sudden drop in <clears throat> violent and, and violent crime and property crime, down to a rapid increase of the her- of the price of heroin in Australia in the late nineteen mm. eighties that saw people rather than go on and commit more crimes saw people go and get treatment and get off the drug. Now that's yeah, one okay. very good reason, but there are a lot of lot of others. Other people will point to the Howard gun control matters, uh, which 
the, the gun control legislation, which came in, in in the wake of the Port Arthur massacre, uh, and that uh, in the very early days of uh, the Howard government, um, that may well have a, be a contributing factor as well. Certainly we can say that the instances of spree killings, which we had yeah. a number of uh, prior to Port Arthur, have stopped. I mean... Um, yeah, well, they're the guns they took off the street, the ones that reload quickly. Yes, look, that that, that know, was big it. Big magazines, and, well, I think pop, pop, pop. There's two ways of looking at gun control um, and, um, in Australia. I would argue that the... Um, that the Howard government legislated essentially to create a black market that would be filled and has been filled. So the, the people who have guns in our country are, um, uh, are generally speaking either cops or criminals. And that's, you know, so it's not an ideal world at all. But, yeah. but with the absence of some guns, what we're seeing is, um, you know that uh, that argument that advances in emergency medicine. So you've so where you've got a stabbing, for example, stabbing events uh, again on the decline. But you also you also have do have advances in emergency medicine. You're more that, likely to live if it happens to you. You're more likely to live from a stabbing event now than you provided you get to hospital than you yeah. would be 10, 20 years ago. Because and that's yeah. that's an advance of. Um, one of Technology. the things with the gun control thing, I find the gun laws that are really strong and the, the strict penalties on it, and this is pure speculation, but that's what I do. You're, you're the stats guy. I, I'm the like, oh, look at this shit. Um, yeah. Essentially, if you're a crim and you've got a gun, yeah. that's a bit of a big deal. Like you've got a gun. You're going to go down pretty hard for it if you flash it around. Yeah. The, so the, you the best general, use it the very rule wisely. The thumb is possession. Rarely. Possession of a handgun in this country should see you go to jail. Um, yeah, and that's why if you've got a gun and you want to use it, you use it for things that are very quiet, mm. that are very out of the way, and you do it in a way that doesn't attract attention to you. So if you are going to do some sort of weird gangland shooting type thing, you're going to do it out in the middle of a state forest as opposed to at, say, Sydney fucking airport because having a gun on you is going to not do you any favours. Whereas if gun laws were quieter... You'd probably find a lot more yahoos running around with them, thinking, "Ah, if I get caught, who cares?" Yeah, look, yeah, I suppose there's there's some element of that, but at the same time, the the gun buyback estimate there's an estimate there that about a third of guns were retained. You know, that the the buyback thing was essentially voluntary, and I know it comes with penalties for having unlicensed firearms, but those those unlicensed firearms in the wake of the gun buyback. A lot of those have entered into the criminal world uh, and have been used in in various offences. So it wasn't a perfect system, is what I'm trying to say. No. Um, and but certainly, what we can say is that we've had no spree killing events where they tended yeah. to occur on a fairly regular basis in in in, uh, in Australia, Melbourne and Sydney in particular. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> and, and I guess where where criminals don't have access to guns, they'll have access to knives, and if they're using knives. Uh, you're more likely to survive. So that explains yep. why we have a declining murder rate to a point. There are other things that are really important there. So, you know, I'm looking at a couple, well, three murders, three unsolved murders that go back to the 70s and 80s. And and uh, this is a far more complicated thing. There are a hell of a lot in New South Wales and in Queensland in particular, unsolved murders. Some of those are gangland-type events 
and and a culture within policing at the time that said, oh, well, these guys will catch and kill their own and we'll just leave them go. Yeah. That's so doing that, us a favor. That, there's certainly that ethos within in police at the time in the 70s and 80s. So you see a lot of these crimes that were not properly investigated. But there are other reasons too. Now, we're mentioning New South Wales and Queensland police. In the 70s and 80s, these were the two most corrupt police forces in Australia by some considerable margin. And so where you do have murders, um, then there is, within that corrupt framework, there is is basically um, a diminished chance for a decent investigation to take place. One of, one yeah, of the murders yeah. I was looking at is the disappearance of Juanita Nielsen. Now, that's not a gangland killing, by the way. Juanita Nielsen was a was an activist in, in King's Cross, uh, a, a, an anti-development um, uh, activist in, in King's Cross oh, who, really? who disappeared in 1975. Her body's never been found. And what the, the available evidence shows that she was at a, a nightclub on the morning, on a Friday morning, around last seen at 11 o'clock. Now, um, eleven o'clock in the morning, by the way, and and um, big night. No, she she attended a meeting. That's the available evidence that she'd attended a meeting. Uh, and oh, so this wasn't she was in a nightclub because she was no out and about. No, she was she was basically drawn in to see some characters, some of whom may well have been involved in her disappearance. Now, when it came to a, pro- a crime scene investigation, when her disappearance was reported genuine fears had to be held for her life at that time. There was no crime scene investigation at the Carousel nightclub. There was no attempt to determine if there were blood spray or blood matter or this predates DNA, but but physical evidence that puts her at the scene coming to some harm. They that, still checked a scene that back just then. doesn't That just didn't happen. And the reason yeah. for that is because you had a corrupt police force and while you may have had genuine homicide investigators who were not corrupt, they would be looking at that whole environment and saying, if we delve too deeply here, we are bound to uh, disclose... Uh, corrupt relationships between criminal figures and and police, not us, but others, and that will that will stymie that investigation. So what's the point? And we see so that's what we saw with Juanita Nielsen. Really terrible homicide investigations. Other uh, crime scene investigations were terrible. Uh, people were often charged with offences with with with, a, with gangland murders. Uh, and 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 a sort of patsy victims because yeah, of these collaborative rela- relationships between between police police and gangland figures. So you do have a yeah. large number of of um, of unsolved murders in New South Wales and Queensland that will never ever be tidied up, unfortunately. Yeah. And quite a few in quite a few in Melbourne, it must be said as well. So and we don't really have gangland figures anymore. Like that oh, you idea do. There's of no things. Doubt, there's no doubt about it. You do. But you they're you not do in popular have culture. Them. I mean, basically, like, you know, we've still got a huge problem with narcotics in this country. And I couldn't name one, though. I just couldn't name a a gangland figure right now. I couldn't name. Yeah, look, there, 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 there's also a role for media here. So, so what was happening in the 70s and 80s is that you had um, journalists who aligned themselves with crime figures. Yeah. You know, and 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 the others yeah, the who were just lazy and and just go to a police, you know, would have would have sort of relationships themselves with police and just basically mm. report the police line, go to press conferences, yeah. nod their heads, yeah. and say, Release you know, t- yep. Tyro 
detective, you can go back and see these things, you know, uh, the, the sorts of reports about Roger Rogerson just declaring him as one of the finest police officers in the state in, yeah, you know, news yeah. reports. And while we speak of Rogerson, Rogerson's gone away for murder, a murder he committed uh, most recently uh, of Jamie Gow. And the thing yeah. that struck me about that was the professional way in which New South Wales homicide de- detectives and scientific officers, forensic officers, went about that crime scene. And yeah, how they measured everything, that kind of how they work. filmed everything. You know, and if you compared that to the 70s and 80s, you'd have just a couple of blokes in suits walking around with a notebook, you know. Yeah. Uh, and interviewing yeah. all the wrong people. You do have higher yes. instances of CCTV footage, which makes yeah. it very difficult for criminals to operate without being seen. It's uh, cheap and ubiquitous. I've got cameras in my house and it costs me less than a couple hundred bucks. Uh, and it all goes to the cloud. Joel, you're a gibbering paranoid. In this day and age, uh, you know, we have uh, very high, very low rates of burglaries. Uh, but even in yes, but that's why because they're on fucking candid camera. <laughs> oh, possibly, yeah, possibly. I, look, I've had my house broken into in the eighties a number of times, and it was always drug related. And it was only some, it was only sometime later that the cop was told me, yeah, look, just not far away from your house, there's a fence who will take stolen oh. goods and and, <laughs> and pay and pay for it in heroin. You know, pay. How convenient. Yeah, so I was getting, getting knocked off, you know, most Wednesdays. You know, you come over and we, oh, yeah. oh, the burglars have been. And, oh, uh, that's good. They, Did they leave they, a mint? They've taken away my child. The first time they ransacked the fuck out of the place. The second, and it scared shit out of me. And the second time they just went, oh, we know where all the good gear is. And, and by that oh, stage, it had been replaced by insurance and, and they came and stole it again. And oh, it only- I mean, like Wedderburn was saying that, uh, you know, like consumer electronics are uh, um, – uh, so it was sort yeah, of more expensive, more exclusive now. back yeah, then. Yeah, they are cheap. They're ubiquitous. It's one of those mm. things where, like, while like, so if you steal someone's phone, you can get the IMEI number and you can get it shut off. Mm. If you steal someone's TV, a they're quite large. They're not that heavy, but they're no, quite no, large. they're not as heavy as they used to be. But you can't get that much money for them. But you, most houses throughout Australia, regardless of sort of socioeconomic position, are going to have a flat screen TV. Um, yeah. So these you, things, you got to nick something pretty big for it to be worth yeah. it. Yeah. So you know the the ideas of of doing B and E. The first thing, you know, property crime almost always related to drug addiction, yeah. uh, and we have less of that now. Um, yeah, we do. Yeah, you know, someone said to me the other day, "Look, at, you know, what about crystal meth?" And I said, well, "If you've got criminal intent and you take crystal meth and you're up for four days, you're you're <laughs> going to commit some crimes, right? There's no yeah, doubt about probably, that. Yeah. You're probably going to commit a lot of vehicular offences. You're probably going to commit uh, some some uh, property and probably personal. Uh, so, so we but do meth still is have actually a pretty cheap. As bang for buck, it's pretty cheap these days. That's you know, the other thing. You know, this is a that's a, that's that's a drug that doesn't rely on a crop." cycle it's a drug that can be made in a suitcase uh and it's brought a lot from china these days and they just yeah. they just bring in tons of yeah it. yeah i mean and obviously great because if they get caught in china look out um, yes, uh, yes. They're in a you may of, not have any hands yeah. so so we see part of you know the, the big part of the reason is we have a higher much much more professional Police, police or law, law enforcement environment. And so where we do have those collaborations between statisticians and police, they can say, all right, so here's an area where there have been a large number of assaults. Um, uh, and we talked about and we talked about the area up around Oxford Street 
um, corner of Burke and Oxford Street where there were a hell of a lot of assaults being committed and then yeah. you just throw police resource at it. You know, yeah. you know, you have you have cars coming past. You have policemen on foot, and and what what happens is those 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 little hotspots of crime stop. Then you could say, yeah. oh well, you're just moving them onto somewhere else. But the statistics say no. That's that's yeah. not what's happening. So yeah. you know, it's not as if we have no crime, but we have declining crime in this country, and it tells us yeah. probably more. You know that there are a whole series of causes for it, more professional police, advances in technology, advances in medical uh, treatments, um, but we're also quite likely better communities now than the, than we were in the 1980s, you know? Yeah. That we probably care yeah. a little bit for it. You know, we, we can afford to give ourselves a pat in the back uh, every now and then, you know? Yes, every now and then. Yeah, um, this, uh, this podcast is not famous for giving out nice, con- like you know, congratulations to people. So <laughs> it's good to do it now. Well, and well, look, and, and, and of course, well done, this humanity. Is, this is nightmare stuff for the media, right? What, what are we, we going to do? Yeah. I mean, there used to be the current affair. We'll have to go back to trading. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Philipp- this plumber Philippino- takes long lunch breaks. Filipino television repair guys. I mean, there are no television repair guys anymore. Um, no, that's no, thing. they're all out. Stealing them from houses, <laughs> so so we do, do see all these do see all these all these sorts of things. One one of the one of the other theories, and it's certainly worth considering, is that abortion law reform, and it coincided yeah, in the United States with Roe v. Wade, as it yeah. did as it did in, in in Australia. You had abortion law reform across the states and territories in Australia, and twenty years yeah. later, you start seeing decreases in crime. It makes a lot of sense because having Less unwanted children around yeah. means means that they those unwanted children are not going to find their way uh, on the sort of criminal treadmill, you know. So yeah, that, that as makes we a covered lot of in sense. the Monster Factory, so, you know, the Borstal system back in the day ooh. was responsible for some of the most vicious sociopaths. Yeah, we have um, we have improved in those areas. Not it's not great, but you know, by gee, it used to be terrible. So anyone who went to the through, Monster Factory episode. Yeah, that's right. You, you, you have a listen to that. Anyone who went through that system and that sort of youth um, detention system in those days, the Borstal system, based on the British Borstal system, you know, uh, it was a real struggle to break that cycle of crime. You know, that, yeah. those people, you know, were basically traumatized. Someone they got nothing to lose. Well, they, yeah, they just taught, they just taught people that they were never going to be victims again. That other people would be, yeah. would be victims. So, yeah. so you know, we do yeah. we do. Um, we 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 have changed things for the better across those that, that, those things in those areas too. Our prisons, yeah, which is also our good prisons for humanity are a little as well. better. They're not great, but our prisons are a little bit better than they used to be. And while Less there's not nearly enough reform. money in in um, uh, being thrown around by governments to basically break that cycle of offending. Um, yeah. uh, there is a bit more than there used to be. So it'd be tricky because when you get out, the only people that are there to see you out are either friends and family, um, or nobody. And basically, your friends and family are likely going to be fucking crims. Your family might not be if you're lucky. Well, yeah. But I mean, it's unless a, you come out and you tell everyone to piss off. Well, it, it, it's well, hard. It's, yeah, it's very difficult to break. It is extremely difficult to break the cycle, no matter how much support. But if you offer, if you offer people who are recently released from prison the opportunity to re to, to get some training and some skilling, and, and that starts in prison, yeah. but it needs to be supported once they get out. Uh, and 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 give them a, a, a job and some dignity. Um, 
then you can turn them around. I mean, it, 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 we yeah. basically saw this with some of the re, rehab schemes in Victoria that unfortunately were shut down. And then what we wow. saw from that was that you know a, a, a back to back to sort of normal rates of offend. Um, so there are there are um, all sorts of reasons why we have reduced crime for the most part in in Australia. Um, the the nineteen seventies and nineteen eighties was also a sort of the, the, the era of the counter-jumper, that's the armed robber. I mean, you, you know, yeah, not a day yeah, go yeah. by in those times. I'm old enough to remember it where there wasn't an armed robbery somewhere <laughs> and generally a bank. Oh, you're so young. Yeah, look, I don't remember any of that because that's the sort of thing like we see that in movies and it seems so fanciful and it's so funny to think that that was that sort of reality. But mm. when I look at old newscasts and things with those old boxy cars and people wearing skivvies and shit, you know, that sort of early 90s fashion – and you do, you think of the armor guard guys getting done, you think of banks getting yep. done, you think of shops getting often, done. Often extremely violent, days, often extremely violent it just events. It seems so rare. People terrified. And, of course, you know, the, 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 the armed hold-up stuff almost stopped uh, uh, overnight with the, uh, with, the, with, with the invention of, you know, these screens at banks that just go straight up. And we, we would have seen on yeah. video a few counter jumpers who didn't realise that technology had caught up with them and, and trying to hurdle hurdle the desk and just getting <laughs> getting caught on the basically basically disemboweled by, by these screens that pop up <laughs> pretty pretty fast, you know, and they just get stuck there. So Yeah, and um, then the cops would just yank them out and that'll be it. Yeah, so those and then, and then fifteen years later they get out of jail. Yeah, so, so yeah, that's right. You know, and, and armed robbery offences would come with long Long jail terms, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. so that's you know, technology basically caught up with them. So, bank jobs weren't getting done, and and we see it all the way to this day and age where armed robberies. The most likely place you're going to see an armed robbery is a service station, and it's not going to be with a gun. Um, yeah, and there's no cash anyway. Like they've got all those little time suck that's things. The One other of the things thing. that actually Don Wedderburn was saying, which is interesting, is that. Uh, pawn shops, like you had that fence near your place that was giving out heroin for consumer goods. Mm. Apparently, and you know, I'm totally ripping this off from his uh, his appearance on Late Night Live, but essentially there was a um uh, like a, a real time sort of online index of goods coming in and goods going out. You've got to show ownership of the goods when you're selling it to a pawnbroker. And basically, pawnbrokers just aren't what they used to be. It used to be cash converters. And basically, cash converters was a way of saying, I'm going to convert that TV you stole into <laughs> heroin. And then yeah. it turns out that now you've got to convert that TV you stole into a giant like book of evidence against you just in case that the cops come knocking like and it's yeah. like online in a database and, and at the same time at the same you time you can buy buy a flat screen tv for 500 bucks you know so so you know we're, we're at that thing has sort of in relative terms might have cost you three or four grand um and so, oh, yeah, so totally, yeah. you know these things are, are less sought after because people can afford them and that you know that and is, also you tend to ask where did this come from you know hmm. like there's a, there's a few raised eyebrows when it comes to this sort of stuff. Even with Gumtree and eBay, which makes reselling things arguably easier. Mm. I mean, at the same time, yeah, it's it's Look, it's sometimes and, and, a little bit tricky. And, and you see, there's been there's been reform on the water side as well, where a lot of crime, a lot of theft took place. Oh, you mean like the ports? Yeah, yeah, 
so you know you've, you've got those they're almost like military operations now I mean the the, yeah. the idea that you could knock anything off in those in, in, in back in those days you know what I mean basically you could you could sit down with a thief and say it was generally a dock worker and say you know can yeah. I have one of those and three of those you know but that yeah. that's not happening anymore there too so there's all these sorts of things uh, that, yeah. that, that 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 cut across this. And and and, and I, tell you what, I and don't the think most, the docks are completely over. Perhaps oh no 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 no. But perhaps the most important thing is that we are moving inexorably towards a cashless society, and that means yes. all our wealth is stored on the internet. You know, basically in bitcoins, bit, bitcoins, but no, just access to I'm our kidding, bank accounts. I'm kidding, going in in yeah in bank accounts and things like mm. that. And we and, and we're just becoming tapping and going and. Yeah, yeah, and and certainly with with COVID, we've we've actually that that whole cashless thing has has got, become accelerated. Yeah, which is making like you know your usual suspects lose their fucking minds. But don't worry, cash still exists. But you know they were looking at legislation. I'm not sure if it passed to illegalize um, hundred dollar note transactions over ten thousand dollars. Oh cash. yeah, and and and, and look, it's it, it, that that is. I mean, you can't. You're prohibited from doing that now. You can't do it. Is it? Yeah, that actually didn't right. go through. And, and they also, but they haven't done it. They're also looking at dropping the hundred dollar note out of currency um, because the they, tax evader. They figured that was the way. You know, a lot of black black the black economy essentially operated. It's not that hard. You could just store two fifties. I mean, come on, it's not. Well, at some point, you're going to have to put them in the bank. That's the thing. You know, so yeah. so if you've got if you've got twelve thousand dollars. Um, look, you know, we know that there are failures in terms of, you know, um, banks and, and government authorities looking at the movement of cash because it's so huge that basically, you know, but nevertheless, if you, if you, if you make, if you do a, if you do, if you're in the business of putting cash in your account, you will be limited to $10,000 a day now. And, and there'll be no, no way you can really get around that. Um, yeah, uh, certainly doing it automatically through a, through an ATM teller, where they you know they have various machines now that will take your cash, and that'll say you know if you put a thousand in, say you, your limit is now nine thousand dollars for the rest of the day. So yeah. And, yeah. And, and you know and that that's the A track thing or Oz track or whatever it is, you know, like they had that thing with the um, oh yeah, there's a lot the money of bullshit. going in, yeah, there's a lot of bullshit laws, through Oz track. I mean, you you the economy so big you can't. Monitor ten thousand dollar transaction every ten thousand dollar transaction. It seems insane. There was that big controversy with ComBank not doing that, um, mm. and I get it. A lot of people were just putting money through these ATMs and not really being accounted for. But at the same time, I do have a not much sympathy for big four banks, mind you. But I do see it being quite difficult to well, the, manage all the of Smurf that. scams where you where you have a lot of foot soldiers putting in nine thousand nine hundred dollars. Uh, exactly. in, into an account for, with cash, and you had a number of people doing it through a number of banks, and you can move, you can move money fairly quickly that way. But it, yeah. when, if, when, if you ever be, if fell under investigation, that stuff is going to look extremely obvious, right? Yeah, uh, and, absolutely. And, and so we get to this point now where we're almost at a cashless point, and so what criminals want to do is. Yeah, and what criminals have always wanted to do is 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 part you from your money, and the and and the best way to do that now is through online scams. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 one of the things that's in a real growth thing. Um, Wedderburn basically said that it's um it's online scams and child porn, charmingly enough. But like basically, 
when it comes down to it, you've got these ATO calls. You've got these like, you know, we're calling from Telstra. We need to take control of your computer. These calls work. Yeah. There's also love scams. Oh, yeah. um, you know, people saying like, you know, oh, I love you, I love you, love you, all these sort of fake photos. And the thing that's really interesting is that a lot of these things happen, and this is fucking depressing, to middle-aged women. They have these like, you know, these guys, often they um, often, uh, often are US often military. The elderly, often the elderly and vulnerable and, and, yeah. and they'll keep these people on the line. They will, uh, they, you know, anyone who wants access to your computer, no. Just say no. I mean, you know, yes. Because, that, you know, they, they want remote access to your computer and while they've got you, they'll often black screen you, um, putting, up, putting up almost a screensaver while they're going through your computer trying to pull out your passwords. Oh, mate, I, I, when it comes down to it, not only that, but when it comes to the loved ones, mm. they will just ask for money. Yeah. And because oh, these yeah. people love this fake person, mm. they'll give them the money. Yeah, it's, uh, some, some of the areas where uh, internet scamming is going on in a big way is India, where there are call centres, uh, many, many call centres in dedicated. Delhi and, and, and in Kolkata and elsewhere in the place. The... the you know, everyone I know, I mean, I've written about these sorts of scams. Everyone I know has encountered them at one point. You know, the, yep. the internet will be cut to cut out for you. You know, that that, yep. that, that sort of Telstra scam. The, I know the several Australian people team. who have fallen it's victim. It's all about contact this number, speak to someone, generally speaking, yep. in India, sometimes in the Ukraine, sometimes in Eastern Europe too, and you'll speak to someone. The reason why India, India's work, very well in Australia and the United States and the, the UK, these scams, is because they're English-speaking and they're highly yeah. sort of educated group of people now. And, yeah, and, and they've got great techniques. And, and, they, and what they want, that moment where you are going to get scammed is when you allow remote access to, to, to your computer or, yeah. or indeed your, your handheld device, your phone. Well, of course, what they'll, sometimes they'll do is they'll, um, they'll convince you that – so basically they'll send you money mm. – uh, and then they'll say, "Oh, we've made a mistake. You need to refund it." Yeah, that's one of the. That's one of the. That's one of the. Well, the common scams that you know that we represent yeah. a company linked to Apple, and and uh, yep. and, and you know we we uh, we were providing you services, or the company was providing you services, antiviral services. But now the company has collapsed, and we want to refund your money to you now. So I've got three hundred and fifty dollars for you, US. So you give me your bank details and we'll put that through. And then they go, oh, oh my God, I've put through 3500 So can you yeah. get – can you just, you know – and you you sort yeah. of did this. That's the other thing. They'll make, they'll make you the person who puts in that extra zero. They'll say, will you check that? Yeah. Will you check that? Will you check that? And then they'll start the heavy stuff and go, well, we want $3,200. We want that in our oh, account. Yeah, yeah or, we, or we're going to get the cops on yeah. you. Or, or, yeah, we're gonna, yeah you've, you've stolen this now. Yeah, they'll, they'll intimate that you've broken the law and these sorts yeah. of things. Now you can Oh, there's just got all away. these tactics. You can the thing away. is, right, and there's actually a really good Reply All episode on this. I can't remember what it's called, but like uh, they did like a thing where they tracked them down and had all this yeah, like, yeah. interaction with them. Yeah. But basically what happens with these people, because I have come across this with many people that I know, several actually, and it's the embarrassment at the end that really kills them. I I knew this one woman who um, she had saved this money to fix her roof and it was leaking and I was there when it was leaking and it was a bad situation and she basically said, I have to sell my house now. 
Uh, yeah, look, it, it, it's look, really sad. There are a lot of these sort of Roma type scams. There was a UK scam. My mother got it. She was lucky to get away. And as soon as I heard about it, I said, stop everything. And yeah, this is yeah, the old mattress yeah. scam where, they, where they'll come to your door to door. I mean, anyone who comes to your door asking for money, obviously, yeah, you say, tell them to fuck no. off in no uncertain <laughs> terms. Now, um, but this mattress scam was, oh, we'll sell you a mattress for an incredibly low price. It'll come wrapped up in new mattress stuff. But essentially you're buying a fucking mattress with, from the tip. It'll come wrapped up in stuff like yeah, that and they'll dump that yeah. one and they'll take your old your old uh, mattress away. It's an old Roma gypsy scam and, yeah. uh, and practice in the UK and it's found its way here. Uh, yeah. <coughs> Um, and the anti-internet scammers are not actually encourage people to have a look uh, at uh, some of the some of the YouTube stuff. Um, there's an Irish uh, software engineer uh, who, who is uh, who's, who basically had relatives who were scammed, and he basically now makes his life. He's turned his life into stopping these people, and um, uh, I'll just uh, just get his name, Joel. Oh, okay. Um, it, it, look, there's some very funny, if long, um, uh, um, uh, <coughs> uh, videos that uh, um, that he's involved in. Because when that when that oh, yeah. when that moment of shared access occurs, he can yeah. actually go in and have a look at their computers, including have yeah. access to CCTV uh, uh, footage that might be available in their office. Jim Browning is his name. Actually, that's just ah, a, okay. uh, he's a Northern Irish software engineer who's devoted his life to stopping tech support type scams and, and other sort of internet scams. Well worth a look on, on the videos. Have a look for Jim Browning. I might have a look at that myself. Oh, it's good stuff. It's good stuff because he, yeah. really, he actually speaks to them and then he'll put the hammer down. And you're fucking lying. Yeah. You're lying to me, aren't you? And they go, no, 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 we're not lying, sir. We're not lying because he'll, you know, he'll, he'll, put, he'll put, cast himself forward as a potential victim until, and he'll actually say, I can see you now. I can see yeah. you now. And, and he'll tell them, I can tell you what you're doing. Hey, can you stop playing Pac-Man while you're talking to me? And they'll fucking yeah. start looking around. <laughs> there was one New Delhi <laughs> oh, scammer so um, who had, you know, a call centre uh, as a, um, as a, as a sort of, or well, the front was a travel agency. And in the next building, he had these sort of phone scammers running through the UK, the US and Australia. And, uh, and he was able to, with the support of the BBC Panorama program, bring them to heel with the two, and the two sort of major, um, uh, major, uh, perpetrators were, were charged and faced with serious offences. Part of the problem we have with this is, is um, is the Indian officials don't seem to take this very seriously, and that is yeah. without wanting to be racist or anything like that. This is one of the main areas where this occurs, and you would think yeah. at high level, government level, what Scott Morrison should be saying uh, to Dr. Modi is, "Listen, can you crack down on this stuff because it really is driving yeah. it's really Australians nuts." Yeah, uh, and, and that's, and that's it's real problems. So, so then police will. We'll we'll take it seriously because right now in India they're not. So, yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So when this fellow, yeah. this Northern Irish fellow Jim Browning, uh, which is an alias, says he he, yeah. will, he actually compile material and report it to Indian authorities, and he says they're never interested and they don't do anything about it. Um, yeah. But he sort of acts on his own, he, um, and um, 
uh, and uh, he really has had got some great moments on on uh, on YouTube there where he stitched up people and and they that, that they, they realise like they're being done. Oh well, there are other there are other things um, that that happen, of course, too. That you can basically there there's a, a piece of software put about which will just smash these call centres with incoming calls and won't allow them to use their phone systems at all. That's like a denial of service. Yeah, sort of yeah, that, yeah. It's like let's face that. it. Yeah, it's like they that. can they can rise like a phoenix on that stuff. They can change that very very quickly. Um, very very quickly. It, it, it's pretty funny watching it happen live. Um, <laughs> yes, yes. No, I must when, say that would be and, quite and, and sometimes yeah. they, sometimes they use sort of chat rooms sort of stuff and just bombarding their chat rooms. And uh, and with all them all sitting around going, do I take this call? Do I take this call? I don't know if I should take this call. Yeah, and they'll just yeah. be an electronic message going, hello, how are you? Uh, <laughs> and, and all this sort of incoming thing. And they actually have to f- shut down their phone services. These are on 1-300 numbers or 1-800 numbers, yeah. which actually cost them. So the incoming yes. calls, these you know, yeah, masses, massive numbers them, yeah. of incoming calls will smash them around too. So yeah. So look, it's great sort of citizen uh, response stuff. And uh, yeah. take a look at Tim Browning's uh, uh, clips on uh, YouTube. But overall, Joel, outside of the internet becoming a fucking nuisance for us all and a potential yes. way of us being uh, being being parted from our hard earned. That's yes. about it. Our families, our families uh, uh, are enjoying a quieter life, you know, with, well, with some you what, yeah. Was, yeah, Well, we do. We caveats. sleep a little bit. We sleep a little better, but there are many who don't. And this is one of the things that, um, you know, alongside the violence against women aspect, which is sex traffickers, you know, organ dealers, yeah. all these sort of real bottom of the barrel cunts and one of the things that really irks me about these dickheads is chances are these motherfuckers own bitcoin and that shit has just gone up oh, tenfold bitcoin i mean anyone who gets involved in any bitcoin or any other sort of platform for digital cash has to understand should appreciate that 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 particular currency is is inveigled in organized crime syndicates that is not a good investment for your cash. QAnon kids are pumping money into uh, Bitcoin because they think that they're going outside of fiat currency and uh, <laughs> to, to ones to ones run by the Russian mob or, but, or yeah. Andrangheta or and you these know, assholes saying they're criminal, saving the children. Syndicates. And, and they these- just made. Kitty traffickers so much money by pumping Bitcoin. <laughs> would, you uh, fucking are, idiots. Who are also involved in child and sex trafficking. You but, fucking morons. But also, the, those guys are going to sit on the profits, you know, as Bitcoin goes goes up and and these other sort of yeah. currencies. And look, up. if the bubble bursts and things like that, blah, blah, blah. The, but what the I'm the really bubble, getting the at. The bubble will burst and, and these crime syndicates, members of these crime syndicates, they will not lose a cent. It's just they won't the care. idiot. It's just the idiot investors who are going to get stitched up. It's only a matter of time. The whole thing, keeping digital currencies together, is organised crime. Yeah, yeah, that and also right-wing lunatics who think that there's a global currency reset coming well, they're and they're trying to, to make be, their money. They, at some yeah. point, they will be separated from their money. I like to think so because I do not like these people. But the one thing that I'm saying here is we do have a scourge of behind-the-scenes crime that's very active, which is the sex trafficking, the organ sales, and that general sort of scumminess. As Wedderburn was saying explicitly on the Late Night Live, you know, child porn is going up. Like the industry of that is going up. So while 
crime rates go down and we do sleep well at night, there are certain people who are sleeping on a lock and key in brothels. Yeah, that's true too. When we talk about child pornography, I've spoken to a number of Australian federal police officers who've gone to houses with search warrants and made arrests. And and the people who have purchased child sex pornography, often the most vile staff, answer the door and say, "We've been we've been expecting you." You know, really. I mean, I I, I, I simply do not understand the pull of that material, and but we see routinely these these these. Uh, um, these markets, these traffickers in this material get pulled up, and it involves arrests of hundreds and hundreds of people worldwide, police officers, teachers. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just yeah. it's it's hard to really it's hard insidious. to understand it. And when they purchase it, they almost know that they're going to go for it. You know, yeah, that's the weirdest thing about that. That's compulsive behaviour right there. So look, let's yeah. let's not kid ourselves. The, there is still an enormous amount of crime, and there is there are organised crime syndicates now who are have never been better prepared and never been better resourced. Uh, yeah, and and so yeah, we're still seeing a lot of really appalling offences going on. But overall, our families at the end of the day, when we look at our families, and we say, well, for the most part, they're in better environments now. Yeah, and we do sleep better and we do feel less terrified leaving our houses for a few days, going up north and not coming back to see that our VCR and our <laughs> collection of late show videos have been stolen by miscreant <coughs> junkies looking for a bit of a laugh and a bit of a shot. Mm. But I tell you what, if there is one family, one family. that isn't experiencing a drop in <laughs> crime rate who doesn't rest Peacefully at night, dreaming of sheep running over green pastures is the Trump family. The Trump family. Maybe facing immediate legal adversity. Well, oh, maybe not immediate, but very soon. soon delayed. Very soon soon yes. delayed. But there mm. is one member of the Trump fan uh, clan who will not come afoul of the law because he doesn't well. actually have the intellectual capacity <laughs> to commit crime. But maybe, maybe this lack of intellectual capacity maybe his criminal undoing, and also his love of pistachios. But he's not a criminal. He's just a very good-looking boy. He's a good-looking boy. Trump. It's like like a bastard bastard on on Father's Father's Day. Terrific news on the Eric Trump front this week, Joel. Eric, who is a good-looking boy, despite that pesky case of elephantiasis that won't go away, has been settling into his new home in the rough on the uh, third fairway at Mar-a-Lago. It's not just me, but others who have seen him blossom. Turn into a really fine young man now that his father's beatings have been reduced to the occasional garroting with the Donald's pitching wedge on the rare occasion he's been watched and can't kick his ball out of the rough. I know many of our listeners have been worried about Eric, who is a good-looking boy, but has the life skills of a three-week-old wood duck, but needs must, listeners. And Eric has been surviving by ordering up food and lodging through Trump Store, the terrific idea that Eric didn't come up with. Eric has been keeping himself warm at night. Those southern Floridian nights can can get cold in the autumn months. Uh, By covering himself with not one, but three Trump velvet throws, 120 bucks a pop, 
prompt uh, delivery for a modest fee. And Eric has been getting by eating Trump Store's peaches, two packs for 12 bucks. They're delicious. And the Colossal Trump Pistachios, pack of two for 15 bucks. packing and handling extra. He's lost a lot of weight. I know his bowel movements have been extremely painful. The Trump pistachios really don't break down in the human digestive system. But Eric's never looked better because he's been lathering his eyeballs with the Trump Diamond Extreme Eye Cream, $225 for a 10 mil tube. What a bargain. Ask us about our urgent delivery to the door courier costs. Uh, Eric can't see and may now be legally blind, but he's on his way, but he's on his own now and making his way in the world without the support of his dad. Love you, dad. dad. Which is technically true. But sadly, Eric has been making all these purchases on Trump Store using his dad's love you, dad, dad. credit card. Uh, Will Eric go down for mail fraud when his father becomes enraged uh, after taking a look at his visa statement and go on to be sentenced to a long spell in prison where he will lie in his bunk waiting for his father to turn up after the Donald is sentenced for all that money laundering and tax evasion he's done, only to enter Eric's cell to see Eric sit bolt upright and say, Love you, Dad! Love you, Dad! Stay tuned, listeners. The Eric Trump story is just beginning. And we'll get back to Eric Trump next week, but we have to stop thinking about his crushing stupidity and focus on other things in this segment uh, that Australian Catholic Weekly described as an affront to God and all his very fine work. It's the week in Pete Evans. It has been an absolutely huge week in Pete Darrell Evans. Or should we say, Joe, or should we say the Honourable Pete Evans? Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't think we will, to be honest. uh, What is it, like 15% he needs? Ah, It's not looking good. But I'm sure you've heard the news that he has finally announced after a lot of teasing that he will run for federal parliament in the Senate with the GAP. Now, Mm. for those who aren't familiar with the GAP, you can listen to our Sovereign Citizens episode, but the summary is Rod Cullerton, disgraced former One Nation senator, got the boot due to bankruptcy and the fact that he was under conviction for larceny at the time of the election. Yes, two strikes. Wayne Glue, the other co-founder of this absolute shit show, famous sovsit who lost his house to Geraldton Council because he believes that council rates are illegitimate and tested this terrible idea in court (laughs) over the course of about a decade have brought politician Pete Evans in to run them They're in, in New yes. South Wales. Look, I just uh, just not? just for a moment there, I just want uh, people to consider that the Australian Electoral Commission is basically responsible for having a look at the legitimacy of political parties. Now, what's required of a political party is that they have, and I, my, if, uh, my figures are about right, I mean, a, a thousand members who are financial. That is, they have paid their membership yep. dues. And so it's not just a matter of getting a, a name and a dodgy address. And the AAC need to have a, a bit of a look at the Great Australia Party because if I know Sovsits, uh, they're bound not to be paying <laughs> Paying their whacking <laughs> in party membership fees, uh, yes. or, or doing it on behalf of her. there'll be a lot of Yogi Bears and and Daffy Ducks, I reckon yes. uh, on their I so. on their yeah. oh. on their party membership list, Joe. It's only fraud if you get caught. So. The Great Australian Party makes no secret of the fact that our subsets, uh, they use vague terms like they're going to restore the Commonwealth, which means nothing to most people. But it's, it's, it's garbage. A, yeah, it's fucking garbage. It's about their belief the constitution we use today is not legally valid for various <laughs> dumb reasons, and yeah. they want to replace it with the one they like better. I think it's the green one. I don't know. They've got different color codes. They're fucking idiots. But 
this is obviously not how the fucking law works. Now, mm. their platform has about nine layers of stupid, but the <laughs> kicker is that they basically want to abolish the family court. Yeah, get rid of that. Bring back the smack for children. Oh, yeah. Let's, let's give our children a hiding. That- <laughs> only if they deserve it, Jack. Uh, only well, if they deserve it. Oh, look, you know, I mean, just give them a hiding anyway. Yeah, and, that's it. You know, yeah, it's good just, exercise. Just in case. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Premeditated. So they're going to lower the bar on gun laws. Not sure yeah. how low the bar is going to go then- there, but, um, you know. Well, and, 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 and abolish government. I mean, <laughs> well, abolish local government. Well, because, that's you know, the first step. But, but eventually, if you're a subsidy, you want to abolish all government. And that does make sense. But what will they do for a living at that point? I mean, like, what? Go back to grifting and making they'll seminars? Get, they'll get to the point where they look at their Senate salaries and go, "Wait a minute, we should keep this bit of government." Yeah, um, this is pretty sweet, actually. Yeah, I quite like this. What, I'd lose I, my driver? Fuck I got, that. I got uh, a car. Someone gives me a car and a petrol card. And- don't worry. They won't be faced with this dilemma. They're yeah. not going to get up. No, no, but, no. That's right. Mm. I mean, this is the thing. So you've got all these ridiculous policies, including basic child abuse, a whole bunch of machine yeah. guns, and the uh, somehow abolishing local government, and somehow that makes sense. Now, these are really noble pursuits for general lunatics, but will this fly for Pete's specific yeah, lunatic base? Yeah. Now, I don't know. But the issue here is it doesn't actually matter because we're talking about fuckwits who think that the COVID vaccine is going to give you HIV. <laughs> these are the people who aren't consumed with policy. They like Pete. They like Australia. He is a vote. Yeah. And this is why democracy is a questionable system of forming government at fucking best. It doesn't work. Pete? It doesn't work. Don't, no. get, don't, don't, well, get, don't get me started, Joe. Don't get me started. Yes, yeah, that's <laughs> it. Yeah, Don't get me on record. Pete <laughs> is going to tell his parasitic fan base to send him money, and they fucking will. Well, oh, my will. God. Yeah, yeah. He will be a fundraising machine, and that part of this is actually genuinely terrifying. But the more funds he raises, the bigger a target he becomes, and the big fish in this pond often tend to float to the surface when they start poking other fish with threats of electoral success. Yeah, look, I mean, I just want to just being a fundraising machine is a completely different animal when you uh, when when you've entered into politics. You know, people are going to think of him differently. Even some of his devotees yeah. are going to go, "Oh, politics! I don't care about politics." So Maybe. that's where that's where you know the money will drop off. I would imagine, uh, mm. <clears throat> um, but of course. Uh, if Pete does get up, he is going to have to change his narrative. He literally yes. said on Telegram this week in a shared post, and I quote, the last person you should trust with your health is a politician. And to be honest, I agree with this, especially that politician is Pete fucking Evans. Yes. Or maybe even Craig Kelly. Craig Kelly, But it's a yeah. bit, it's a bit odd, you have Craig. to say. I mean, he's basically saying, don't trust me, I'm a politician. Uh, yeah, I mean, existence... Yeah. Of chief medical officers, officers and various health bureaucrats aside, when was the last time you went down to your local member's office to get your temperature tested? <laughs> I mean, Pete, if you've been up on the Northern Rivers annoying your local MP with the, with the cause of your seeping groin rash, I can pretty clearly understand why you would say this. Yes, yes. I, I, yeah, telling people to fuck off is such bad medical advice. I wonder <laughs> how that happens, you fucking dope. Anyway, the great thing about Pete running for Senate is the major parties are going to fucking eviscerate him in public. He has no allies in the chamber at this point. One Nation will lose votes to him for sure. The yeah. Liberals might bleed a few. Labor would rather deal with a talking assault rifle than Pete Evans. And he's definitely going to steal the lunatic fringe vote from the Greens that have suddenly decided the Greens are Antifa. But 
still don't wash very often and don't like 5G mobile signals. <laughs> yeah, look, and the other thing you've got to think about here is that all of, it will come down to where the GAP is placed on the ballot paper, uh, yeah, and that really comes out. It, it's ex- yeah. much more difficult for micro-parties to get through the system now yeah, since we had the ridiculous... Uh, uh, situations in in Western Australia two elections ago, the, uh, the, the sort of that mad stuff is is now far less likely. So yes, as you said before, Joe, he's going to need around fifteen percent of preferences uh, in New South Wales to to even get by. Now that would seem to be extremely unlikely. Yeah, it's. I'm thinking more like five. What you what you will see is some of the parties will look to see where he might preference them. And and there may well be a sort of battle over One Nation uh, preferences. The Libs might even have a, hey, hey Pete, how you going? <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. You know, whip, us, whip us up a whip us up some, some activated almonds and, and we'll talk about preferences. So there might be a bit of wheeling and dealing going on there. But generally speaking, not much, I wouldn't think, given his his antecedents, given Pete's uh, record so far. Yes. And uh, and so I think he's going to battle to get those sorts of votes. So I'd be surprised if he gets more than a, a 2,000 uh, preference votes. That I'll, I'll, go on the, yeah. I'll go on the record to say that. But yeah, well, it, if it yeah. looks like he's going to catch on, you'll see the dirt units uh, from, from a, and they, oh, they yeah. exist in the Liberal Party, Labor Party, and the National Party. You better believe oh, they've yeah. got a beauty. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Holocaust denier and Nazi ads are going to flood social media <laughs> and he's going to find it very difficult to handle. Yeah. Because, you see, listeners of the show will know all too well that Pete Evans is a very fragile narcissist. He has either spent a lot of time or actually employed someone to delete comments and block anyone that disagrees with him on social media. And for those who are masochistic enough to actually watch and listen to his shit, uh, at Cam Lewis here, I'm calling you out on that one. He asks the questions for most of it and why he doesn't have answers. <laughs> No, no, not why. When he was asked what fiat currency is, and I know I harp on about this, but I fucking loved it. He said, the system that we are in. And while that is an objectively crap answer, the thing that made it such a beautiful moment was watching his face. (laughs) It's the vulnerability of an idiot who feels like maybe he's out of his death. But then this (laughs) megalomaniac, narcissistic ego. And he he sort of like, this stunned mullet. (laughs) But his ego inside his head saying, nah, Pete, you're the fucking man. You know everything. Bitcoin called you. Isn't fiat a car? Yeah, I mean. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, they, they it's backed cool by the cars. government. <laughs> it is actually backed by the government. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Yes, what a fucking idiot. <laughs> so basically, this is a long way of saying that Pete is about to die a death of a thousand cuts. <laughs> His public meltdown would be spectacular, but it's likely to be far from our view because Pete's political career is going to be finished with him weeping, <laughs> eating a pack of very non-keto Cheetos and a fun-sized bag of Mars bars, sobbing to his horse as he drifts oh, out of ketosis into pure Pete. misery. And even if Pete actually gets in, I doubt he'll last the full term. You see, senators have to actually do work. <laughs> Contrary to popular belief, I know much. people think the staff do it all, but at the end of the day, you have to do some reading. Well, yeah, um, you, you know, got to sit in you committees. Got, you got to so wear a suit. You're supposed to anyway. <laughs> yeah, you're meant to, yeah. Unless they all intentionally just stop him from doing work so he doesn't fuck up. Well, he just may not want to turn up to these committee meetings. I mean, look, yeah, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a commitment. <laughs> yeah, it is. You know, like when he's got a bit of a fucking come down from his latest ketamine binge, he's going to find it pretty hard to get out of bed and go to work. So 
From what I've seen, Pete's basically drifted through life from one platform to another, doing the next best thing to fuck all and making a mint out of it. So the moment he actually has to turn up to work, his little brain's going to flip out. He's going to have a little meltdown. Mm. But either way, this whole thing is going to be a fucking train wreck and it's going to make the next election a complete clown show and which he does with everything he touches. He's going to make it all about him. <laughs> the, the Pete Evans 2020 federal election. A hundred yeah. fucking percent. It's going to be pathetic. He's just going to be one media stunt after another, and it's just going to be insufferable. Yeah. Anyway, he's going to make the segment really good. But one other thing, um, which pissed both of us off, uh, as we discussed last week with the medical malpractice, uh, yes. medical, medical misinformation deep dive, yeah. Peter's continued to disgrace himself by hosting Paris individuals on his podcast mm. and this one is a real cracker pete evans interviewed dr robert o young and they always use the middle initial if they want to seem important yeah. like you know oh yes that's i that, have an yeah, initial that's sort of medical Behold legitimacy me. by popping yeah. in your middle your middle what initial a with a full stop after it. i'm pretty sure he's not able to practice anymore because he's convinced people not to get cancer treatment and sold them his own miracle cure of bicarb soda or some shit. And unsurprisingly, several of these people have died. Yeah, so Jack wrote a column on this uh, on the Oz in last Friday. Uh, basically, it wasn't paywalled when I clicked on it. It could be worth another shot, but it's a great uh, article. Uh, look, yeah, and basically what we're saying, you know, part of the problem is California legislature have, have created uh, basically the Homeopaths Act, which has made life a lot easier for scumbags like Robert O. Young to operate and and less uh, less likely to convict them of offences. Uh, Young has been running around for a long time saying he's a doctor. He isn't. Um, and he has basically dragged people, as you said, Joel, away from chemotherapies to basically have their uh, bodies filled with bicarbonate of soda by infusion, you know, by, <clears throat> by intravenous infusion. Just bizarre stuff. Um, not going to necessarily hurt you, uh, the bicarb, uh, uh, the bicarb infusions, but going to do nothing for you. And and if you've yeah. got if you've got you know, cancer that's proceeding into metastasis, then uh, you're just wasting time with this clown. He he yeah. he routinely charges around about fifty five thousand dollars US for treatment of people. He will he will urge them to stop having chemotherapy, and he's done that on a number of occasions that we know where people have gone on to die, uh, and including on one occasion where he was sued for successfully for $1.5 million, and he was locked up for several months in a California prison system for pretending he was a doctor, which is what, which is what the Californians have got left to basically prosecute him with because of their silly-ass homeopath act. But anyway, yeah. yes, uh, I made the uh, made the argument in the Australian that that Pete Evans was interviewing Dr. Robert O. Young, who I declared was probably the worst person in the world. And surely, I guess you could sit me down and, and show me a few African dictators, Russian mobsters, etc. Yes, uh, and you might make a pretty good argument, but I would make a fairly solid one too that Robert O. Young <laughs> is the worst person on earth. Yeah. Yeah, I think we could do without uh, people like that. And uh, how about we don't elect people that enable his bullshit on fucking <laughs> yeah, platforms? Yeah, a good idea. Here's some advice that's worth worth taking to the bank. Yeah. Now, I know, Joel, you want to thank Cam? Yeah, well, look, he's a bloody uh, endless source of uh, useful stuff for Pete. He so is indeed. I think. G'day, it's good to give a bit of a nod here. If you want updates on what Pete Evans is up to, and God knows why you would, especially during the election period, at Cam Lives here on Twitter yes. is a T 
terrible masochistic individual yes who he spends a lot of time looking at pete so we don't have to videos. Look, so, yes. so others don't have to yeah god yes. bless him for doing that good on you Ken. Yep. you sacrificial lamb you uh, you have been listening to the conditional release program with your host jack the insider and joel hill if you haven't already hit the subscribe button and if you enjoyed our bullshit throw us a five-star review on your podcast app and Jack can Jack be, can be oh, Jack no. can be found. Yeah, <laughs> Jack can be found. We, no, <laughs> I I'll can find you. You'll find me. Yeah, yeah. Jack can be found running in circles on Twitter on <laughs> at Jack the Insider and Joel on at Crunchy Moses with a K. We've set up a Facebook page you can find fairly easily if you search for it. Now, yes. here is the desperate plea call to action. Begging Promoting here. a podcast. I'm on my knees. I'm on my knees. Easier said than done. It is pathetic. Whenever you try and plug a podcast, people think you're an insufferable fuck. Mm. So if you could do it for us, it makes us look less shit. So if you could share this episode or a past episode, that would be fantastic. Yes, uh, we really appreciate I've it. I've seen a few people do it on Twitter and God love them. Uh, but yes. Yeah, thanks, guys. Anything, yeah, a, really appreciate a, it. Any bit of support is uh, welcome. Uh, and finally, yep. all feedback, tips, and death threats should be sent to the conditional release program at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you, even if you're trying to distract us while your mates break into our homes, steal our tellies, and smear their shit all over our walls. Thanks, listeners. We'll catch you next week. Don't steal my Water Rats DVDs. Bye. I have got a season on Water Rats. (laughs) I've got it on the shelf somewhere. Oh, there it is. Yeah, I've got season four.